This is Kaylee Jones, and I will be the next guest on On Screen and Beyond, and I'll be speaking about my new memoir, Lies My Mother Never Told Me. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 73, and I'm Brian Zemrak, your host. And on today's episode, we have two guests joining us this time. First up on the interview segment is Kaylee Jones, and she has a new book out called Lies My Mother Never Told Me, which tells about her life and her father, who is famed novelist James Jones, who wrote the novel From Here to Eternity, which, of course, went on to become uh, made into a movie and uh, become an Oscar-winning Best Picture in the 50s. And she also wrote um, her own novel, and that book was made into a movie called A Soldier's Daughter Never Cries, and it starred Barbara Hershey and Chris Christopherson. And then we're joined by... A guest we've had before, Carol Channing, once again comes on to the show, and she has a new gospel CD coming out on September 18th, so stick around for some very interesting interviews here. Uh, but first, let's find out what's coming your way as far as remakes with Remake Madness, right here on Screen and Beyond. Well, as far as Remake Madness, Rob Zombie, who is on a remake reboot kick, is now looking at redoing 1958's The Blob. Only he thinks we don't need the uh, jello-looking blob thing in it. Uh, All right, well, we'll see how he comes up with that one. Uh, Let's see, TV's classic dance show Soul Train is headed for the big screen. No release date at this time. We'll keep you informed on that. And it also looks like they're looking into remaking swamp thing this time in 3d and it is currently only in development so it's in the early stages and we'll keep you updated on that as it comes around we'll see if they really end up making that that's about it for remake madness right here on on screen and beyond coming up next we're going to find out what's coming your way as far as upcoming movies right here on on screen and beyond Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, as far as upcoming movies, it looks like in January, you can look for James Bond, 007, Daniel Craig, to start filming Dream House. Now, of course, he's not going to be Bond in this movie, but it's a thriller about a family that moves into a house in New England only to find a horrible murder happened there. Then we'll see what happens. And Robin Williams will be working on a romantic comedy called Wedding Band. And look for it in 2010. And Steven Spielberg, well, he's working on his own pirate movie. It's an adaptation of Michael Crichton's Pirate Latitudes, set for a 2011 release. 
That's about it for upcoming movies from On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, taking you down to Sequel City, finding out what's coming your way as far as sequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Sequel City, it looks like Rambo 5 has been given the official green light. It looks like it's heading for a 2011 release, with the film being directed by and starring Sylvester Stallone. Mickey Rourke is also rumored to be starring in it also. And Bad Boys 3 is in the works. We told you about that one earlier, but uh, this time Columbia Pictures is telling us they're hoping to bring back Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Of course they are. Uh, What would it be without them? And producer Jerry Bruckheimer and director Michael Bay. Nothing is set yet, but we'll keep you informed on it. And it looks like Halloween 3D is going to be in the works. This time they're looking for another director, though. Rob's, Rob Zombie is out, I guess. So we'll find out what goes on with that as things progress. And that's about it for Sequel City. Coming up next, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD, right here from On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD, it looks like this past week, uh, on Monday, we had the release of Heroes Season 3. And also, those crazy guys, Two and a Half Men, Season 6 came out. And Desperate Housewives, Season 5 came your way. And also, Rescue Me, Season 5, Volume 1 with Dennis Leary. And that's about it. Uh, But uh, we also have another one here. So, yeah. Um, And you can also get Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, Volume 1, Season 1, rather, Volume 3 on DVD. It came out this week. So those are a couple of things to look at, uh, some interesting things, because uh, Two and a Half Men's a crazy show, Heroes is a great show, Desperate Housewives, Rescue Me, Scooby-Doo, what more can you ask for? All in one week, that's right, and we're telling you about it right here on On Screen and Beyond. Coming up next, movies coming out on DVD. Well, a couple of things that came out as far as movies on DVD. Disney's Nature Earth arrived on DVD on September 1st. And Bring It On All-Star Collection containing three Bring It On movies with such stars as Christina Milan and Kirsten Dunst. It came into stores this week. And also 1988's Homeboy starring Mickey Rourke and Christopher Walken arrived on DVD this week. So you might want to check those out. Coming up next, we have a couple of interviews for you. We have two this week, this time. We have the first one with Kaylee Jones, who has a book out called Lies My Mother Never Told Me. And it's about her life with her mother and her father. Her father was the famed novelist James Jones, who wrote From Here to Eternity. And, of course, they made that into a movie, became Oscar-winning picture Best picture back in the 50s. And uh, she also wrote a book that became a movie with uh, Barbara Hershey and uh, Chris Christopherson. And, of course, after that, we have another interview with Carol Channing. When Carol and her husband, Harry, come on to the show and talk about her new CD that is coming out on September 18th. So those are coming up right here next on On Screen and Beyond. Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is the writer of the story A Soldier's Daughter Never Cries, which was made into a film in 1998 and starred Barbara Hershey and 
Chris Christopherson. She also is the daughter of James Jones, who was a famed novelist who wrote such stories as the Oscar-winning film From Here to Eternity and The Thin Red Line. She now has a new book out called Lies My Mother Never Told Me. It's Kaylee Jones. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Kaylee. Thank you. Okay, now... Uh, <laughs> I, I just want to find out a few things here before we get into all your about your books and your, your movies and everything. And um, you know, but what made you decide to write lies my mother never told me at this time? Well, my mother passed away in 2006 from alcoholism. It was on the death certificate. It wasn't. Uh, it, it wasn't something that they could leave off because that's how serious it was. And. I wanted very much to write down my side of the events that led up to her death and how I'd perceive them for my daughter, who was nine at the time. And at first I hadn't even really considered the possibility of writing this as a memoir until a friend of mine, Susan Cheever, said to me one day, sort of as we were talking in the street, that, you know, I said to her, nobody would believe this story if I wrote it as a novel. It's just so absolutely unbelievable and horrendous and she said this isn't a novel honey this is a memoir and that terrified me so much that I realized there might be something to what she was suggesting Mm -hmm. and that's when I started to take the idea in hand and uh, start to formulate a plan about how to approach the story but I didn't have an agent at the time and I didn't have a publisher so I wasn't writing with an audience in mind as much as I was writing just to get the story down and to get uh, really to straighten out a bunch of people who had a misconceived notion of what happened at that time with my mother. Mm-hmm. Now, now, when you were talking just now, you, you mentioned that, of course, you've written novels before, um, and so so there, not being a writer, I, I, this came to mind when you said this, um, is there a big difference between writing a novel and writing a memoir? Uh Not so much for me in this case. I tried very hard just to... I think when I write a novel that's based somewhat on my own experience, I shape and change the truth to fit the needs of the story. And in this case, I I sort of shaped the narrative to fit the needs of the truth. So I kind of reversed it. And I, I knew that the facts had to stand and had to be impeccable, that if they were double-checked by anybody they would be correct. So I did quite a bit of research, and then I fit the narrative around that notion. And, you know, one of the hardest things about a memoir, I think, is picking and choosing what details matter and should be included and which ones don't need to be there. Right. I think I mean, that was one of the hardest parts for me. Yeah, because that's, I mean, this is your your whole life up to this point that you've been writing about. So, uh, like you say, how, how do you put it in, you know, a, a book that's, what, 500, 400 pages long or something exactly. like that? Exactly. How do you choose what details are important? You know, and then, and then, and then, one thing led to the other, and then this continued. And I think picking the details, I, I like scenes. I've always liked scenes. I like memoirs that have scenes and descriptions. I don't like being told what happened. I like to be shown what happened in detail. And that's the, the, the sense that I, the approach that I took was to try to make it as detailed and as scene-oriented, even with dialogue, as possible, so it would read like a novel. Mm-hmm. I did want to be an, a- an actress when I was younger, but after my father died, I kind of lost heart in that department, and I was too frightened. I didn't think I had the kind of carapace you need. You know, you need a real tough exterior to get through that crowd, and I just didn't think I had it, so I just decided not to pursue it. 
Yeah, because when, as you're talking, you, you, you almost sound like a director you know, in a <laughs> film because you're, you're, the way you're talking about the dialogue, or, or a screenwriter, you know, maybe even. Oh, I did some screenwriting, that's true. I did some screenwriting, but it turns out I'm not that great at it. <laughs> I'm, oh, no, come details. on. <laughs> I'm sure you are. <laughs> Now, uh, now, now. Speaking of that, um, y- y- your book was uh, your your book, a, Shol- a soldier's daughter never cries, was made into a movie. Yeah, that was a, a really that was ten years ago, actually, mm-hmm. two thousand and eight, and it was also my daughter. I mean, uh, nineteen ninety eight. My daughter was uh, born in nineteen ninety seven, right when they started shooting the film in November of nineteen ninety seven. It came out in uh, in nineteen ninety eight. And uh, that was the most intense period of my whole life besides right now. So isn't that interesting? Things seem to happen to me in 10-year increments. Huh. And, uh, yeah, we, we, I worked a little bit on that screenplay, but mostly I was a consultant, and I discussed details with them about uh, our Paris life and so forth. And I got to meet Chris Christopherson wow. and spend some time with him, which was just fantastic. And yeah. Altogether, it was a great experience for me. Yeah. Now, when they, in your book, it says that you, they actually optioned the book in '91. Yes. So for, no, in uh, yes '91, the book came out in 1990, and they optioned it in '91, and then for the next seven years, they kept re-optioning it every year. Hmm. Geez. So I mean, that must seem like you know, is this ever going to be made? Exactly. <laughs> and, and there was a. There was a period there where they really almost didn't make it. Really? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a small film. You know, it's a it's a very independent film. Mm-hmm. It's not a big Hollywood movie, and it and it's very much about Americans living in Paris. And so the audience for such a film is small, and they the producers knew that, and uh, they had a hard time raising the money for that film. Yeah, yeah. Now, not we... in Europe, but here. Yeah. Yeah. Were you pleased with the outcome of the film as far as, you know, the story that you wrote? Did they tell it the way you envisioned it? Pretty much. I did. I liked it very much. Uh, Jim, James Ivory, was very taken by one of the characters in the book who's a kind of minor character in the book, which is the, the young boy that should be friends in school who's an opera singer. And he he was very much taken by that character, and he became the centerpiece of the second part of the of the film, whereas in the book he's just one-eighth of the book. He's one little piece of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that may have not, that would not have been my choice if it had been my film, but of course I'm not a filmmaker, which is why it would never occur to me to try to make a film or write a screenplay. And I, I think the, the actor that played um, my brother, Jesse Bradford, is a great actor, and he got a little bit shortchanged, I think, um, in the film, but it was still a beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the book, you tell about how emotional it was watching some of the, the filming on the set of that movie. And um, did, do you ever wish you hadn't gone on the set? No, I, I actually was. A, it was a very important experience for me, and I'm very glad that I went. I went with my baby. She was only three weeks old when mm-hmm. we went down to North Carolina for the filming of the American section of the book. But um, it was strange because they recreated the entire uh, house, my mother's house, with all the furniture and everything, and it looked almost exactly like my mother's house. And so you walk on. I walked onto a set, and it was like walking into my my home, my childhood home. So that was a very odd experience. But it was wonderful to spend time, sort of looking at that period of my life from the outside. That was an interesting and very sad, but but very good experience. And it was really difficult in the sense that at that time my mother was they shot this film 
only about 18 months before my mother had her first major bout of cirrhosis where she almost died. So she was at a, in a downward spiral right when they were filming that film. And it was very odd to watch the film and to know the outcome. In other words, I was watching a period of my life being filmed and know that in 10 years or so after this, there, my mother, or 20 years later, my mother was going to, you know, die from alcohol or really have a, a serious cirrhotic collapse. That was, that was very painful. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, um, with your father, uh, James Jones, uh, he wrote some wonderful pieces of literature, and you know, they were carried on into film just uh, just as powerfully, like the, uh, you know, of course, the Oscar-winning "From Here to Eternity," and uh, also the Thin Red Line. Now, did you ever feel pressure from people to to do as well as your father, in, as far as your writing and things like that? Was there that type of pressure? I don't think so. I don't think anybody had that expectation for me, and I never had it for myself. I kind of put my father up there in the pantheon of those great American writers, and I never compared myself to them or thought of myself as even in that in that ballpark. Mm-hmm. I just did my best and tried to learn how to write as well as I could. Uh, I think I always saw him as kind of two separate people, my dad and the man who wrote those books, and the two are... interconnected and intertwined but also in a sense separate the the writer the man who wrote those books is a kind of separate entity to me Mm -hmm. um he wrote the thin red line when i right right before i was born he was writing it while my mother was pregnant with me so i didn't have the experience of watching him write that book because i wasn't old enough to to understand what what he was doing and that's one of the things that i wish i had was more time to talk to him about his process and about the books that he wrote, uh, which I never never really had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that they made a marvelous, I mean, Terrence Malick made a very interesting film, I think, of The Thin Red Line, which also came out in 1998. That was all happening all at the same time mm-hmm. uh, when I had my baby, and I, I thought that was a, a really magnificent film, very different from the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, when you, when, you, when you got old enough and you started to read your father's books, um, did, did you realize when you were young uh, how powerful these books really were, or did you not until you actually read them uh, you know, later on in life, uh, what well, they were like? I, I, didn't, I only read one book of his when I was young, and that was The Ice Cream Headache, which is the book of short stories. And I loved them, and they were very moving to me because he writes about children in that book, mm. and the child in the book is very often himself. And that was extremely sad and moving to me to see that he'd been a child and that he'd been a, an unhappy child, a child who was victim to, you know, adult selfishness and egotism and cruelty and anger. And, you know, I, I really loved understanding who he was as a child because he never talked about his childhood. We, I got uh, most of my impressions of his childhood came from that book. He didn't talk about his childhood. And then later, when I didn't read his big novels until after he died, and right. I read From Here to Eternity and The Thin Red Line the summer, uh, the summer that he died, 1977, and I was just blown away by, by his work. And the thing is, at that time, it was very popular to be uh, condescending, and the reviews, the reviewers, and the, the sort of literary establishment was very condescending to him and uh, considered him sort of a a has-been who was never going to hold up in the pantheon of American letters. 
That's not true, and we know that now. But at the time, I knew it wasn't true when I read his work. I knew that, that The Thin Red Line, especially, was going to stand up as long as there's humanity. That book is going to stand up as one of the greatest war novels ever written. Yeah. But but I I didn't have a whole lot of uh, confidence that the rest of the world was understanding that at that time. And that was very difficult for me. There were a lot of uh, critics and literary figures who took pleasure in attacking him at that time right after his death. But there was a sort of turnaround a few years later where his work was reconsidered again. And I suppose this is true of many writers. Mm. Even Hemingway had his bad years. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, now, growing up, uh, you were constantly surrounded by movie stars and acclaimed writers such as uh, you know Frank Sinatra and Kurt Vonnegut and uh, Norman Mailer or Truman Capote. Uh, were you ever awestruck by these people or any of the others one that you met? I had no idea who they were, really. They were just some guy with your father, right? Yeah, some guy (laughs) hanging out at the house. I mean, I knew they were writers. I knew Jimmy Baldwin was a writer. Mm -hmm. You know, I knew Bill Styron was a writer, but I had no idea how famous they were. I was a little kid. Right. And also, I was in France, so there was no kind of uh, context, you know, for their fame. Mm -hmm. It It was only when I went to college that I realized how big they were when, you know, they talk about African American letters and say James Baldwin was, you know, and, and Richard Wright were, the, you know, the, at the forefront of this movement of writers. And, and I was absolutely, I said, oh my God, I knew him. Hmm. You know, that was a strange experience. William Styron, Sophie's Choice came out when I was in college, and, uh, and, and that was such an enormous success. And I thought, oh my God, we really, we know him very well. It was very strange to suddenly have that perspective on things and to, and to see that a lot of these guys were in the, in the, on the reading list in my college. Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned Sinatra in, in your book, and it, it's mostly in reference, you know, to with your parents. But had you ever met Sinatra? I probably did as a child, but I don't remember him at all. I, t- I never had any interaction with him as an adult. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he, we were in Long Island, we were in France, and then we were in uh, in Long Island, and he was in L.A. most of the time. And I, he didn't see my parents so much, uh, certainly after, I'd say, the mid-'70s. So I actually really didn't know him, and I didn't know Dean Martin either, mm-hmm. uh, but my parents certainly hung out with them in New York. Yeah, 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 because, I mean, I mean, you were all over the world, too. It seems like you were, you were in, you know, in France, and then the United States, and all different places, and it seems like you were jet-setting all over the place. Right, but we were kids, and we had a nanny, and we were in the back of the right. house, yeah. you know, or upstairs in the kids' part of the, you know, right. if we went away somewhere, there was always a sort of children's room, or a children's part of the house or we were just we weren't sort of invited to the dinner parties mm-hmm. you know and the all night parties so i i only have the vaguest recollection of those uh, of what they talked about certainly i that i don't remember and that's kind of tragic i think yeah yeah to be it would be to so nice things, to have yeah. that information yeah and and um, one of the things the book was very emotional and uh, at times humorous like i i had spoken about earlier and uh, did, did you find it therapeutic writing the, the uh, lies my mother never told me? I don't know about therapeutic. I don't think writers should write for therapy, and I don't think they should write for revenge or for axe grinding. Mm-hmm. I think writing is an art form first to me, and I think the most important thing is the art of the written word. And in order to write this fairly, I had to write it with detachment, and that was hard. Mm-hmm. It was hard to detach myself enough from the 
from the emotions of the events to write a book that would allow you, the reader, to pass your own judgment without me telling you or judging the situation for you. The only, the only role that the writer has is to structure it, is to put the structure together. And it's in the choice of which scenes to put in that, that, that I'm giving you the information. Now, um, of course, like you say, your father passed away in, in, in 77, and you were, what, 17 years old? I think 16, it was. yeah, when he died. 15, okay. Um, 15. Now, what, what is your most vivid, happy memory of your father that you can remember? Is there something special that stood out? Uh, oh, there are wonderful things that I remember. He used to fix my toys for me when I was little. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if one time I had a Barbie doll, and it, they weren't so easy to get back then in the mid-60s in France, you know, yeah. or early 70s, and her knee came apart. And my father said, well, we'll have, we're going to do an operation. And so I was invited up to his office at a certain hour, and I went up the dark stairs to his office by myself, and he lit the light on the desk and he put her on his blotter, his ink blotter, and he, you know, put the light on her and he took out his knife, his pen knife, and he opened her knee and he, and he re, um, reconnected the joint, you know, the yeah. plastic joint, uh, sewed it up so it would stay and then sewed up her leg with, uh, with the right colored, uh, you know, uh, I guess he used thread, you know, needle and thread. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then he said, well, she's going to have a scar on her knee like I do. He had exactly the same scar on his knee, which is so funny. And that was my favorite doll forever, hmm. even though she had a you know big old scar on her knee. Yeah. It was yeah. sewn up. And he did that several times with different toys of mine that, that got broken. And I just thought, what a thing for a, for a... I mean, I guess now I think about it, that's what a parent is supposed to do. Right. But, but for me, that was a huge thing. Uh, different occasions like that where, where he where I could go to him with a problem and he would problem solve. Um, I try to do that with my daughter as much as possible. I always tell her that if she's got some issue that she should come talk to us and we'll do our very best to try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is what, uh, what parenting is all about. Yeah, yeah. Well, the book is, is fascinating, and uh, it's, I think people should uh, get it because it's, it's, it's such an interesting read to, to go through it and... and uh, like I say, there's there's happy things. There's there's you know very very emotional things throughout the book, and uh, it's um, just so. And, and I had mentioned this earlier, but uh, uh, the uh, I like the way that you did the little pieces before each chapter about that sh- things your mother had said, and I, I found that very interesting. A, a lot of neat little funny things that that, that you put in there. Thank you. I'm very glad to hear that. I very much wanted to give it a sense of her that would be amusing and funny and give a sense of how complex she was. She was not a one-dimensional or two-dimensional person, and I, that was what I was most concerned about, was not being able to capture what had been marvelous about her when she was younger before you know the alcohol really took over and kind of destroyed her mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the book came out uh, August 25th, correct? Yep. Yep. And uh, people, just a few days. Yep. And people can, you know, I'm sure go to Amazon or any of the, the traditional place or in the bookstores and, and find that. And uh, they should really pick that up. And uh, Kaylee, we, we appreciate it. We had a, you know, very interesting talking to you about the different things that, uh, in the book and everything. And we appreciate it very much. Thank you. It's an honor. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. My next guest on On Screen and Beyond has been a past guest on the show. She has several upcoming projects we want to let you know about, including a new gospel CD called For Heaven's Sake. And it's time to say hello, Dolly, to Carol Channing. And welcome back to On Screen and Beyond, Carol. Hello, dear Brian. I must tell your listeners that you were the first interview we had about the work we're really doing, which is our foundation. The, the Channing Collegian Foundation, that's my husband. For the arts. For the arts. Yes. Yep. Get the arts back into public schools. Yeah. How, how are things going with that? Oh, so much better because the teachers tell me that the teachers say it was just terrible the way uh, they didn't, uh, they didn't um, uh, see the arts uh, when they get into school in kindergarten. They'd see them eager to learn, eager to be, to, to get in, and all of us, by the time, they'd watch their little brains disintegrate on all the other subjects. Isn't that strange? Yeah. The arts, uh, what, what makes the, uh, uh, like things like human biology, you'd never think it had anything to do with the arts. It makes, it's like fertilizer on the brain. Now, on October 11th, I understand that you and Harry have a, a, a really big project going off at the uh, UCLA's Royce Hall, uh, Carol and Friends. Uh, I understand that's going to be coming up to, to help with the, uh, the music in and, and the schools and things. What oh, kind, yeah. What you, kind of friends, Harry? Yeah. Well, it, it's October 11th, Carol, at the Royce Hall at UCLA. Yes. And we're going to have varied select. That's the, one of the key things, too, Brian, is that a lot of the uh, celebrities are joining in and uh, want to do this, uh, also join in, the, in this foundation work, because they know, they know. And i got to tell you something else. Uh, Carol just joined with Joyce Amy and Carol Cook and, and uh, 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 Joanne Worley and Carol. And it was all for the arts. But I, I, I think, I, I think what, one of the things I said to the audience is, look, folks, these are the last. These are the great artists. These, these artists are not being replaced. We've got the potential here. We've got, the, we got potential, all the potential in the world and our kids. But no arts in school, and then I made this great comparison about our, our our Latino friends who come from South America, Central America, Mexico, and and they and they have all the arts in the world. They're exposed to all the arts: singing, dancing, music, and all the other uh, rug making, you know, pottery, every, pottery, every, everything. And and then they come here, go to school, they have nothing. Yes. We're, we're, we're going backwards. Well, I can show we have an understanding and listening ear. Go ahead, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> we do with Brian. Oh, Brian. Uh, yeah, we do. yeah, but we don't want Brian to say it. We don't, we don't want him. He'll, he, if he says it, then they won't listen. You know, then your listeners will listen. <laughs> 
Now, you know, one thing I enjoy talking with the two of you um, is that you know you have such passion for for this, and it's 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 really nice to hear that somebody is working so hard and doing so much. Uh, the two of you really deserve uh, you know a, a big round of applause from people because it, it's you're doing some fascinating work. But Brian, when we see the results. We are so spurred on. You know, I talked in Anaheim, California, to a group of blackouts. Is that what I talked Job Corps. Job Corps. They were all... called Mexican. Job Corps. And they were every color of the rainbow and the roughest, toughest looking students I ever saw. And I said, Harry, what on earth am I going to say to these students? 55 minutes. Yeah, for 55 minutes, I talk. Harry said, tell them what happened to you with your father. Well, my father was a, 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 a lawyer, so he went to legislature, and he would come back from legislature, open the front door, and say, achievement! It's the greatest thing in the world! We got the, the bill through! Achievement! And he was just thrilled out of his mind. That's what would have saved the Holy Roman Empire, the Holy Chinese Empire, the Holy every empire. And there have been lots of them. But they, they all died. But, they, oh, but the main thing is, those kids, this is a job court. I was in Anaheim, you're right. Yep. Yep. And what happened was the most phenomenal happening that I never expected. She had three standing ovations. During the talk. She, wow. And she was talking about the arts. And the creativity of it. And these kids were going, some of the girls were learning carpentry, plumbing. Honestly, that's, yep. that's yep. a fact. And, and they were learning all these different trades. Now, and let's go back to UCLA. Let me tell this one story. Okay, here. okay. And UCLA, we're going to have a, a group. Their kids, they were dropouts. They were on the low rung of the, of the, of the ladder. They were uh, drug gangs, the whole bit. So... They, they asked if they want to, you want to go to uh, art school. They said, yes. And they said, okay, you've got to keep a B plus average to stay in class to, to do the arts. Yep. They not only stayed in class at B plus, they had some of the highest SAT scores in a, in a whole Southern California. Can you wow. believe it, Brian? Jeez. And they're going to be <laughs> on stage singing and dancing and, having, and, and music to show that these kids... At one time, you could have crossed them off, you know, and say, yep. okay, they're disposable, which yep. would be wrong, of course. So of course, But yes. in any case, here they are on top of the world because they left the old, that, that life that ran away from life, really, and that's what uh, Dolly said in her Ephraim speech, <laughs> to rejoin a human race. And these kids have rejoined the human race. Yes, they have. And what did it was the arts. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Now, uh, they're going to be there. Now, who else? Is there going to be some other people there at the uh, UCLA event? There are going to be some, uh, gee, I don't know the names. There's some other celebrities are going to be there. Yes, there'll be, there'll be about six celebrities. Uh, Carol's going to take a low-key role in that show because she wants the other celebrities to have time mm -hmm. to express their feelings yes. on, on, on and why they're there. Uh, we're hoping... We get Clint Eastwood. We get, you know, we. Well, I talked to Clint Eastwood, and he said, "Please send me all the information. I'm terribly interested." Wow. So I don't know whether he'll do it or not. And I told. Yeah, I know. I know he's making another movie, so we're, yes. we're hoping. And I'm, I'm going to write to other, uh, large celebrities. But the celebrities, 
we ask them, and they don't even they don't even hesitate. No, to, to do it. We're, because we're, we gotta, they know they're in the arts themselves right yeah. now to this minute. Yeah. And oh, next yes. year we're gonna next year in June, Carol is launching a national campaign, and we've got California. We're we're getting California pretty well established with volunteers throughout the state, and then next year we're going. Because we can't waste much time. She's 88, and I'm 89. <laughs> we better put it in high gear. <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, so that event is coming up on October 11th at UCLA. Um, yes. Now, also, the other event that uh, is coming up in your life uh, in September, a little sooner here, September 18th, you have your release date for your new CD, for heaven's yeah. sake. Yes. Wow. Isn't that That's right. Sure. Well, I'm always working. I mean, I'm always doing a show and, and in the universities and all that. Oh, what was I given in the university? Oh, Doctor of uh, what? Doctorate, uh, Doctorate of Fine Arts. Oh, Doctor of Fine Arts. Wow. And I make house calls, Brian. <laughs> I do everything. How and do I keep... treasure it. How and do you... Doctor of Fine Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, to, to meet the students... And 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 get oh, they get so excited, and they should. Mm-hmm. Now, now, what made you decide uh, to come out with a gospel CD for your new CD? Um, I, I think I think it was a decision that was made. It's not all gospel. It's a it's a, a it's a, it's called gospel. But Carol and her father, he was from Georgia. We used to sing They used together. to sing these old... Uh, before I can remember, I sang with my father. These I, old... Yeah. Black, even we've, we've talked to some black Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you moan. Oh, Mary, don't you weep, don't you moan. Because Pharaoh's army got drowned. Oh, Mary... Don't you weep, and we got, oh. The wheel? Uh, yeah, oh, Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the aisle, and, and the little wheel run by faith, and the big wheel run by the grace of God. The reason I dropped my voice is that's the line my father used to take. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I would take, the little wheel run by faith, and the big wheel run by the grace of God. It's a wheel in a wheel, way in the middle of the eye. To me, it's the most exciting music. And it's gone now because it's several. So many generations they have... They don't ju- even know it. They never heard it. Right, yeah, yeah. And out of that, the guy, the guy that the agent who, or the producer, I should say, is from Nashville. I think he's Nashville or Louisville. I don't know where he's in that area, Tennessee someplace. And... Uh, he, had, he was writing, uh, he was the agent for a gal who was a composer. She had written some 2,500 2, songs, and they were in a hurricane. Hmm. And she was killed in a, she was, he was there with his children and his wife. They were badly injured. He still is. He'll have many, many surgeries before he's well again. And his, and, and his, um, his principal, who was the composer, was killed in the accident. So he's, he's still hurting. But he said, uh, "Can we do this?" And I and I said, "Yeah, providing you let Carol pick a lot of the songs because a lot of the songs are also blues, New Orleans blues, oh yeah, uh, jazz, oh and, yeah, uh, <clears throat> and 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 gospel, old gospel. And there's a few hymns in there too. 
So it's a it's like Americana. It's really a broad range, oh, but he, he yeah. call it the heavenly look. But you see, Harry, we're so old, and our parents were even older yeah. when they lived. So we've got history here oh, yeah. in that. Yeah, that there's, there's a lot of history in it. Yep. yep. I call it Americana. Now, and uh, it's going to be a, I think it's going to be just fabulous. And we're going to the gospel convention in... Uh, or is it in, Nashville? No. No? No, I... It's in Louisville, Louisville, oh, Kentucky. But you pre- in Louisville, it's pronounced Lovell. 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 And we're going to Lovell. sell the CDs there, and then we're going to do two shows, one near Louisville and then one in Nashville, near Nashville. I don't think they're right in town. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do a, actually going to do a regular performance. At Carol. It's a regular prof- professional because we're doing so much work for the for the. For the uh, for the foundation, which is of course all benefits, right? Uh, that I said, Carol, we better bring in a few dollars into the into the private fund. So we're going to do a couple of shows back there that are, that she regularly does. As she she's going to do that uh, she has done in the past. Yeah. Now I understand also that in fact this Sunday uh, on September 6th that you're going yeah. to be doing a, a, a benefit concert called Carol Channing Raises the Roof to benefit... Well, let me tell you about it. It's the funniest thing. There was a storm. Now they've got a fire. But the roof was ju- it ruined. I mean, it just... And they didn't... It's a little church and they didn't have enough money to... So they put... They're putting on a show called Carol Raises the Roof. Yeah. And that, that's what we're going to do this Sunday, is it? Yeah, yep. uh, this, this Sunday, yeah. And, yes. pe- and people are going to get an, uh, a chance to hear some of those songs that you, you are on your new CD? One uh, I can yeah, think the of. Church, the church chorus and the gay chorus is going to be there, too. Yes, and yes. sing some of them with Carol. Yes. They're going to sing a whole range of songs. Yeah. And the church and the children are there, the Sunday school children, everybody. And they're going to sing with me. Wow. Oh, it's going to be great because... When she sings, he's got the whole world in his hands. These little kids, you know, be with her. Yeah. And she's wearing an outfit that's just gorgeous. It looks like a little angel that dropped <laughs> yeah. off the roof. <laughs> and, and, and we're going to San Francisco, actually, tomorrow. Tomorrow. And uh, we just got through with Sacramento, and we're going to San, uh, San Francisco and do another uh, performance. Uh, not a real big performance. It's going to be Q&A, Q&A yeah. question and answers. And then we're going to go from there. We're going straight down. Uh, we're going to stay at Harlan's, uh, and we were we were afraid of the fire that because it was only a few blocks away from his house. Oh, really? But there's yes. Sure. Yeah, it's okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. But everything everything is fine, and so yep. we're happy about that. Yeah. Yes. Well, I mean, you two are so busy. I mean, <laughs> it seems like you have something going on all the time. Harry is. Uh, what are you? Eighty nine. I'm 89. Yeah, I forget. I'll be 90 this December. Oh, yeah. Wow. And I'm 88, and I'll be 89. Don't think it isn't difficult, Brian. Hey, (laughs) I'm feeling it. Don't think I don't know. Oh, my God. Uh, Oh, gee, it's hard. Let me tell you, it's hard work. But is it (laughs) worth it? Uh, if, If it weren't worth it, I wouldn't be doing this. I'd say, come on, Carol, let's go take a vacation in Hawaii. We just had our first vacation in, in Carmel, California for five, six days, and I, my heart 
my, I started cramping around a heart, and I went to a doctor immediately, and he gave me all the heart tests and everything else. He says, the problem with you, Harry, is you're anemic. And he says, you're not, the oxygen is not getting to your heart, and you're, you're getting this angina. So now oh. I'm taking blood shots. I mean, shot procrete, they call it. Oh, yeah. Huh. Jeez. Well, no. we're okay. As long as Carol's upright and I'm upright. Oh, yeah, we're upright. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, we're fine. It gives you new blood and new it does. life. Okay, well, you know, Carol and Harry, I always enjoy having you on the show, and, and it's, it's so much fun to hear somebody with so much enthusiasm, and, and it's, it's just a pleasure to have you on the show. I well, wish you could you, see these children when they the benefit they get from thank it. Thank you, Brian. We we appreciate you equally because yes. you have a stake in this, like as we do, all of us do, and you, you don't know how much we appreciate the fact that we've given an opportunity to do this. So it, yes. it, you know, it's it's it, it. This is what it's all about, Brian. It's all about that. It's all about loving your fellow man, doing the best you can. And move on, and uh, that's what we're doing. Well, we we appreciate you both taking the time to talk to us. Oh, thank, thank you, you, Brian. Thank you. Thank you, dear. Bye, bye. Well, we gave you a double whammy of people here on On Screen to Be On for interviews, and uh, we want to thank Kaylee Jones and Carol Channing and Harry Collegian, uh, Carol's husband, for joining us on the show. And Kaylee Jones' book is available at all bookstores and online, uh, online sellers, of course. And it's called, once again, Lies My Mother Never Told Me. Great book. Uh, it goes into, you know, the things that that she goes through and uh, the the life she leads and all those things and her father and the, the different things. Uh, it's just fascinating. And also, of course, uh, we want to thank Carol Channing for uh, talking with us and uh, coming on the show once again. She's always a delight to have. And um, if you're out in the California area, you might want to keep your eye out because Carol is always out in concert doing things. And at her age, she's got so much enthusiasm. It's unbelievable. And uh, she also has a new CD coming out, which is For Heaven's Sakes, and it's available on September 18th. So keep an eye out for that. And uh, it's just amazing to hear uh, her talk and her enthusiasm for the arts and things like that. So uh, it's always fun having her on. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, another episode coming up on Monday of On Screen and Beyond. We've got another great guest coming your way. And we also want to remind you, check onscreenandbeyond.com often because you could end up sending us a, an email with a question for one of the stars that we have on the show. And you might end up having your question asked. So we'd like to have you check the website. And at the very beginning of the first page, you'll see where we give you a tell you who's going to be coming on, if somebody's going to be coming on that you can send a question in for, and you can send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com. Right now, we have up there that Robert Wagner is going to be a, uh, uh, be interviewed on the show in a future episode, and we're looking for questions. So if you have some questions you'd like to ask Robert Wagner, of course, Robert was number two in... All the uh, Austin Power movies, and uh, he was uh, married to Natalie Wood, and he was in Switch, and he was the star of uh, 
heart to heart and takes a thief and just so many different things. He's such a talented person. He's so distinguished and, and such a great actor. And he's going to be a guest, and we're looking for questions from you. So if you have a question that you would like to ask Robert Wagner, send it to us at feedback at onscreenorbeyond.com. And now i got to remind you, you always should check the, the um, site often because what happens is sometimes we do a guest and it's going to be real quick with robert you have a little bit of time because we schedule that one a little bit later uh but what's going to happen is sometimes we'll put them up there and they'll be up there for a day or two or three depending on when we have the interview so you have to check to see like when we interviewed susan olson from the brady bunch cindy on the Brady Bunch, and uh, a lot of people got questions in. We had hundreds of questions, but uh, unfortunately, not, we can't get all of them on. We try to get as many as we can, uh, but we pick some, and uh, those people are the ones that get on. So uh, if you want to try to send us your question for a celebrity, check it out, onscreenandbeyond.com, right there at the top. It gives you a chance to be a part of the show. So check that out, and let's see, that's about it for now, the ending of Episode 73. Coming up uh, on Monday, we will have another guest, like I said, and uh, until then, this is Brian saying take care. (laughs) 